Well, God bless you. I want to just, uh, I want to talk to you today about God is going to rock your world. All right? God's going to rock your world. And, and, and the reason I have the right to speak this is because in the last several months, God has rocked my world. So I'm speaking from experience. Some of this stuff was hard for me to digest, but I've seen the light. God's Spirit has given me peace about all that He's about to do, and I'm excited for the next move and the next generation that God is setting up. You'll understand what I'm talking about. Let's get right into this message, starting with Acts chapter 16 and verse 26. I've got just a series of scriptures. We're going to just lay it all out. I'm going to do a little teaching in the beginning, and then I'm going to apologize up front if I get a little excited. Is that all right? I can't help it. You get something as big as God and as little as me, it's going to come out. That's how big he is. He's great. Acts chapter 16, verse 26. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And all at once, the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Oh, I'm going to get to that in just a moment. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. It says, For I passed on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of the wine after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18, and the very first phrase of verse 19. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Why? Because God is about to do a new thing. A new thing. I'm ready for something new. How about you? Amos chapter 3, verse 7, and then we'll get into the teaching. Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. Amos chapter 1, and we just read out of Amos 3, but Amos is a minor prophetic book. It's a minor book, short book. Amos is not one of those well-known prophets that we talk about. But Amos chapter 1, verse 1, something very significant takes place. And when you're reading these minor prophets, you will scale right over these words, and you won't even pay attention to them. But I'm a microscopic studier. When there is a word or a phrase that jumps off the page, I can't take my mind off of it. I have to jump into it and study. Amos chapter 1 verse 1 tells about the prophet Amos speaking prophetically from the temple of the golden calf. And he was speaking about an upcoming great shaking that was going to come to the land because of the worship of false gods taking place. And at the end of verse 1, a very a significant phrase comes out. It says that he spoke this two years before the earthquake. Now, why did God put that phrase in there? Amos began talking about a great shaking that was coming to the land. And then it says two years before the earthquake. That phrase got my attention and my mind started reeling and I knew that there was something significant that I needed to check out 
in that short phrase. In this prophecy, Amos said that houses and temples were going to fall and that lands would be forever changed because of the earthquake that was coming. He said those sure foundations, most of them were even going to crumble. They call this earthquake Amos's earthquake. And scientists speculate because of the damage that they have found in archaeological digs that it was, it, it was on the Richter scale of about 7.5 to 8.2 in magnitude. That means that it toppled cities and toppled walls and toppled temples up to 200 miles away. There was significant damage that was done. And this all took place in around the year 750 B.C. This event was such a life-changing moment that for the time and the people in the latter years were talking about it. Even the prophet Zechariah refers to Amos' earthquake 230 years after it had already happened. So there was something significant about the earthquake that Amos prophesied about and there were changes that forever changed people in times. So I began to study earthquakes. I'm a geek like that. I love science. I love studying nature. I love seeing what shows up in the natural and seeing how God has made it happen already in the supernatural. And so I began to look at earthquakes in that way. When you study earthquakes, especially those mentioned in the Bible, most of the time they are signs of God's judgment. But there are other times in the Bible that earthquakes represent God's presence. It's not always bad when God says, I'm going to shake things up. There's an earthquake coming, but don't you be afraid. You need to be right in the middle of it because something good is going to come out of this. So I began to study, and today I know that this message, I've prayed, I've wept, I've, I've studied, I've done everything I can. I can't shake this off of my mind because it's in my heart, it's in my spirit, and God says, you've got to tell them that I am predicting spiritual earthquakes that are about to come. So I want to talk to you today about spiritual earthquakes, if that's all right. Now, America's not going to fall off. California's not going to fall off in the face of the ocean. It's okay. We're not talking about physical. We're talking about something in the spiritual that is about to shake your world. This shaking, this earthquake that God is going to send is not particularly judgment, but it is a shifting and a shaking that causes the weak and the old structures to fall, leaving only the strong and absolute structures standing. Now, I've never experienced an earthquake. Has anybody ever experienced an earthquake in here? Want to do it again? <laughs> no, you don't. I've never experienced an earthquake, but I can tell you I have felt the earth move. And if you're any guy that just loves hot rods, you need to go to a National Hot Rod Association track, stand on the fence by where, they're, where they rev up, your insides will never be the same again. I'm not joking. I stood trackside in Ohio at a National Hot Rod Association drag racing track, and I literally felt the earth move. The power that was radiating from those machines as they revved their jet fuel motors and they peeled out literally shook the ground and shook my insides. There was a whole lot of shaking going on. And believe me, there's enough fat on this boy. It was shaking going on. But I remember standing near the gate, and as they revved by, and my whole body 
was feeling the power. It was not just hearing the power. I felt the power. I looked at the skyboxes that lined that track that were two stories high. That glass was rocking and rolling as they pulled out of that, out of that main gate. And then I remember hearing car alarms going off at the far parking lot because of the rumble that took place. I felt the earth move. It literally moved through me. And I still want to go back and experience that again. <laughs> it's just crazy. So God began to share with me this message. Telling me to tell you that he's about to rock your world. Now that's something to get excited about. Because God says, I'm not done yet. That's what that statement says. You think I've simmered down? You think I've settled down? You think I'm just going to stand up here with my arms folded? I've got things to do. I'm about to change and do something fresh and new. And it's going to shut rock and shake your world. But that's all right with me because God knows what he's doing. So as I began to study about earthquakes, I began to get into other studies of scientific things. And there was a book that came out in 1962 called The Structure of Scientific Revolution. And in it, Dr. Thomas Kuhn, not any kin to Richard, maybe so, he's a smart, but Dr. Thomas Kuhn wrote this book called The Structure of Scientific Revolution. And in this book, it was a revolutionary book because he coined a very popular phrase that we still use today. Not only in science, but we use it in business and we use it in uh, technology and we use it all over, even in money. It's called the paradigm shift. Anybody ever heard of the paradigm shift? First time it was used was in this book by Dr. Thomas Kuhn, 1962, the paradigm shift. Here's what the paradigm shift said. New information that drastically changes all information as we know it. So you thought this way was the only way, but now there's a new discovery that says, nope, this is the truth. This is real. So what we once believed to be unchangeable is changed in light of the new information. And everything is now funneled through this new breakthrough of facts. It's all about a new perception of how you see old things. New perspective on how you see old things. Some of the examples of paradigm shifts that have taken place in science and business and technology would be Einstein's theory of revolution. It revolutionized. That's the E William C square in case some of you are wondering. Um, and if you want to know about it, go and read it. I don't have time this morning to teach you. <laughs> Another example was Isaac Newton's law of gravity. What goes up must come down. It revolutionized science. It was always there in front of them, but until somebody brought it to light, now they begin to compare everything up against that law of gravity. Another example, a huge discovery back in 1953 was DNA. DNA was a huge discovery because up until then, it was very hard to do the right kind of surgeries, the right kind of transplants, because they didn't know what DNA was going to match what DNA, what would be rejected and what would be accepted. DNA revolutionized medicine and the criminal justice system. Now diseases and family genetics were better understood. Surgeries and transplants that were impossible before were now possible with DNA matching. Criminal cases had to be retried just to solidify the innocence or the guilt of the criminal. The scientific world was turned upside down when this shifting revolution was introduced. Another example was in the business. Computers revolutionized business. No longer would you walk into an office building and see rows of file cabinets anymore. It so revolutionized business that even some people lost their jobs or had to go back to school to learn all about the new technology. It revolutionized things. Computers changed everything. And then we have the discovery of the Internet 
That changed everything from the way that we gather information to our buying and selling. How about this? Cell phones. All I have to say is you can't live without it now. You talk about a paradigm shift. You can't go anywhere without it. There are so many paradigm shifts that have been taking place. But there's been paradigm shifts even in the spiritual world as well. Did you know that a paradigm shift happened in 1517 when Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses questioning the Catholicism teachings he nailed it to the door of a Catholic chapel at the university he taught at and it was just 95 questions about what do you mean by this what about the Bible what about this and he finally finally said the just shall live by faith it revolutionized it rocked the church world and from that action the Protestant church was born a paradigm shift Another example is whenever you are saved by Christ. That's a paradigm shift in your whole spirit. Because the things you once loved, you now hate. And the things you once hated, you now love. Talk about a paradigm shift. You can't explain it. But a shift took place. Then there was another example where the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. Baby, that's my paradigm shift. That's where I'm hanging out right there. Because that revolutionized the church world. No longer were people just given just little bits and pieces of God from one moment to another. They were now filled permanently with the unlimited power of God. It went with them where they were out. It slept with them when they were sleeping. That Holy Spirit meant the birth of the Spirit-filled church that we have today. A paradigm shift. It changed everything. And the church still is. There were so many life-altering, eye-opening paradigm shifts throughout history. And they've been happening before our very eyes. But some of us have refused to look at them the way they needed to be looked at because we don't like the idea of change. I don't want to change. I'm comfortable where I am. And only those willing to accept those God shifts are going to reap the rewards that are coming. One of the ways that Dr. Kuhn illustrated a paradigm shift was that he put a picture on the screen of a duck. And I've asked the uh, control guys to put this picture up. There's your duck. And he told them to look at this duck. And the longer they looked at the duck, some started seeing another image appear. Some of you see it. Some of you just see the duck. You turn your head just a little bit, you start seeing a rabbit. A duck becomes a rabbit. A duck becomes a rabbit. This is good stuff right here. You, you've, got to, you've got to really open your mind to say, that's a duck, but man, there's a rabbit in there. The same picture can change before your eyes if you dare to just change your perspective. Because where you once saw a duck, you now see the rabbit. But some people refuse to see the rabbit because past experiences have locked your minds into one way of thinking. And listen, and you say, this is what you say, it's all I know, therefore, it's all I'll ever know. You know what they call that? Stinking thinking. You're trapped in a mindset, and you are one way. This is it, or everybody else is wrong. That's not God's method. 
you can get stuck with the same, well, this is the way it's always going to be. It's never going to change. This is the only way I'm going to see it. If that's your thinking, then your parents got a divorce, therefore you have to get a divorce. Or your grandma was an alcoholic, so you have to be an alcoholic. Or your dad was an abuser, so you've got to be an abuser. That's the type of thinking you're looking at. Follow me so far. These so-called truths based on past experiences are really not truths at all. Your past is so limited that it may determine whether you see the rabbit or the duck. So some of you are living with a duck mind in a rabbit world. Some of you are going to love me after this, and there's going to be some that I'm going to get hate mail from. But you know what? God said this is the word for them. If they accept it, they'll see the rabbit. If they don't, let them waddle off. (laughs) Just stay quacking in your own corner because we've got some rabbit. We're moving in here. We've got to get moving. The mistake that we make is believing that our past is the only perception there is and that is the only way to see it. Now, this is deep. I'm going to lose some of you from here on out. But you've got to put on your thinking caps because God says, I've got a deep word for these people. I'm tired of giving you the shallow, simple, light light stuff. I'm going to lay it on you today because you've got to grow up and start making some decisions. Are you in this thing? Are you out? So God says, in light of this message, we have some decisions to make, whether we're going to stay familiar and stay where it's familiar, like stay in the boat of our ideologies, uh, all of our past experiences. I'm comfortable right here, even though God is laying out a vast ocean of opportunity and new opportunities before us. Or are we going to dare to step out of the boat, leaving our familiar and limited past behind to accept that God is up to something new and beyond our comfort zone? That's the decisions. Let's talk about the disciples in the boat. They were in a terrible storm. They thought their life was over. Peter had a decision to make when he was in the boat in the middle of the storm. His past experience as a fisherman told him the safest place to be was in the boat because the boat is small but the boat is familiar i'm hitting somebody right between the eyes right now i'm happy right here don't change a thing the boat was small and it was familiar the other 11 disciples said we're staying where it's safe and familiar but when peter saw jesus walking on the water doing something that was impossible, broke every law of physics as there is. Peter said, if Jesus can do that, I want to have a part of that in my life. Something leaped within him. So he said, Lord, if you were calling me into the unknown, away from the limited and the familiar, then bid me come. And without hesitation, Jesus said, come. With one word, one word, Peter's whole perspective shifted. It changed his perception of whether walking on water was possible. And he stepped out of the boat, and all of a sudden, there was a paradigm shift. Everything changed for him. He went from being a bench warmer to a water walker now. It was the same boat, 
the same conditions, the same friends. But now Jesus is saying, there's a greater way. And Peter was no longer afraid to step into the ocean of opportunity to learn something new and fresh. Peter was willing to forsake all truth as he had known it before and step from the familiar into the unfamiliar. As long as his perception stayed bigger than his circumstance, he could rise above any situation. I'm telling you, as long as you can keep your thoughts high, as long as you can keep your eye on Jesus, it doesn't matter what the conditions are swirling around you. You can walk on that trouble instead of it walking on you. It's all about your perception. Now, all the others could be bench warmers. But Peter was determined to walk on water. Now, once he stepped out of the boat, Peter has a problem. Because you can't step out and walk out water on here and go back to the boat and think the same way. You can't do it. You don't have a magnitude and a shift and a shaking in your life of that magnitude and think you'll ever be the same. Again, once you're a water walker, you can't hang around the bench warmers. Now listen, I'm going to warn you. If you're a boat person, you want to go to a boat church and hang around boat friends. Because if you hang around water walkers and you're a boat person, you're going to get frustrated because they're walking on another level that you don't understand, and you're so frustrated you can't get to it. It's a miserable life. And in case you're wondering, Triumph Church is a water-walking church. Yes! Don't hold me back, baby. We're going places. I got to thinking about this place, and I wrote this down. I, I, it, we have seen the light. We got out of the boat years ago. We got in over our heads, and we have come too far to back down now. We believe in divine miracles, salvation for the worst sinner, and Holy Ghost power that will rock your world every day. We are convinced that our best years are ahead of us, and we are not stopping. We have jumped out of the boat and can never go back. <laughs> Woo! I can stop right there. We can just have church. That's who we are. That's who we are. That's who I identify with. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm having a good time. You just get out of my way. Well, I'll just have a good time. All of this information that I just shared with you, we're going to bring our main text into focus. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. We read it in the beginning, and I'm going to set up the picture here. Jesus and his disciples have gathered in a room to celebrate their traditional Passover meal. And we know this as Jesus' Last Supper. And we also know this scripture text to be our communion text because we are looking at this story after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the disciples were coming to have a Passover meal. They didn't, they've never heard of the word communion. They did not understand what communion means. And Jesus is about to rock their world. Now the Passover was the annual tradition of the Jews commemorating their exodus from Egypt through a series of plagues sent by God. This tradition was a meal where an innocent lamb was killed. It shed blood smeared on the doorposts, protecting God's people from the angel of death when it passed over later. Therefore, the name Passover. So it's about a lamb and shed blood. 
So for 3,000 years, the Passover meal never changed. It was always about a lamb and the protective blood of its lamb. In essence, the disciples were reflecting back on past experiences of their ancestors. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. We're memorializing all the soldiers that passed away. But we need to remember that sometimes things have an expiration date. And God comes along and starts shaking things up, saying, I'm about to put a new spin on this. I'm going to do something fresh here. And God was getting ready to shake their traditions at this very meal. Now, this particular Passover meal with Jesus was normal in the beginning. He told them to take the bread and eat. And that was all right because they always had bread for 3,000 years at the Passover meal. But it's what Jesus said next that changed everything. He says, take and eat. This is my body. Everything shifted the moment he said, this is my body. Now, the disciples were shaken. They didn't understand this reference. And they said, uh, this is not what we've been taught. We've never done it that way. Passover is this, and this is what it means, and for 3,000 years we've done it. Don't go changing anything up on us, Jesus. They were used to doing Passover one way, and they were locked into past experiences. But now Jesus is wanting to bring them into something new. It's challenging to accept something new when you are set in a structured way of thinking. I'm, I'm about, I got saved after I studied this and God opened my eyes and I'm hoping some of you are going to receive this too. It's difficult to be progressive because in order to progress, you must forsake something. I'm telling you, that's just real. We always say, we want to go forward with God. We want to go forward with God. That means you're going to have to give up some stuff. Whether you're just coming into know Christ as your Lord and Savior for the very first time, guess what? You're going to have to give up some stuff. You're going to have to give up some friends. You're going to have to give up some habits. And God will help you with that. It takes courage to accept a new thing. And stepping from the known into the unknown can leave you feeling very vulnerable. But with this one statement, Jesus shifted what was once a duck and turned it into a rabbit. And they didn't catch it. Theology had an earthquake the moment he said, this is my body. This bread is my body. Traditions shook. 3,000-year-old traditions were shaken to the core. And all of a sudden, a new word comes out of this, and we know it as communion. We're looking at it in the light of after, revolution, uh, after the revelation because Jesus had already died and come back to life, and we read it, and we know exactly what it means. But these Jewish boys were caught up in tradition, and they weren't going to take it lightly that he was trying to change something. Because the prophets for 3,000 years had never heard of communion. They had only talked about Passover, so we're not going to have to do anything but Passover. They had a hard time buying into this. Now they had a decision to either reject this new way of thinking or to accept it. They had to decide if they were going to get out of the boat of traditional thinking and walk on water into another dimension, even if they had to go by themselves. I want to stop there just a second. I want you to get that. These disciples had to decide. We're either in this for the long haul with this man, or we're just going to reject him, and we're running off with our own crowd that'll tell us what we want to hear. And some of them said, I'm going to go, even if I have to go by myself. Can I tell you something about serving God? It's not easy. People are going to leave you. People are going to laugh at you. You're going to be ridiculed and mocked. That's okay. 
you know what? They can't go to the level you're about to go to. Leave them alone. Just leave them alone. Say bye. Adios. So these disciples had to make a decision. Walking with Jesus isn't popular. You can't care about what others think of you. If Jesus is wanting to show me something new, then I must be willing to step out, turn my head, change my perspective just to get where he is calling me to go. I'm more afraid of getting stuck in the duck stage than I am figuring out there's a rabbit where God's fixing to take me. I don't want to get stuck being a duck. I'm telling you. And I want to speak to the teens real quick right here because we're talking about sometimes you'll make those decisions and not everybody can go with you. Teens, whether you're young teen, junior high, or whether you're graduating high school and you get ready to go off, some of those people you thought would be in your life forever, they're going to turn loose because when God starts shaking your world, things that are not necessary to be attached to you, they're going to start falling away. That's what God's earthquake does. It takes those things that do, are not necessary and rocks and knocks it away. It's like the little girl was watching him uh, uh, chisel out the, um, the Abraham Lincoln Memorial. She looks at it. Everybody thought, man, that artist is doing a great job. You can see where the nose is coming. The little girl looks at that thing, and he, she says, you know what? He's knocking off the pieces that aren't Abraham Lincoln. And that's what, that's what God's shaking is going to do. It's going to knock off pieces in us that are not God, that are not necessary anymore. Things that were necessary at one time are not necessary anymore. God's changed my perspective. He's changed my needs. He's changed my level. I don't need that anymore. It's got to go bye-bye. So God sends a quaking and a shaking. And that's the same thing here. If, you, if not, everybody can go with you to the next level of blessing. So when you finally realize, I can't hang around you, I've got to say farewell or hasta la vista, baby. I can't be with you anymore because you don't comprehend where I'm going. Follow me so far. So God has sent me to tell you that he is going to do something new and he's going to make something new out of something old. And God wants to stretch your mind so that you won't be left behind in what he's about to do. And if you can handle it, you're on the verge of an earthquake experience with God. And now I want to get into the main thrust of my word. For two months, I've asked God to just speak to me, talk to me so he can talk to you. And I'm just simply his mouthpiece, and I'm just getting out of the way, and I'm letting God's word speak through me to you. God has showed me there are two spiritual earthquakes that he is sending. Now, earthquakes are movements of unsteady foundations under the surface that you can't see. That means God is up to something when you don't think he's doing anything. Huh? I always tell people that are going through the worst time of their life, you may be down to nothing, but God is up to something. You may not know, because below the surface, things are beginning to rock and shake. Because God says, I can't have that attached to you anymore. I'm going to bring that out of you, and I'm going to knock that off of you because you're going to another level. So God's going to send some spiritual earthquakes, and under the surface, you may not even understand, but maybe in your spirit you're feeling some little rumblings. Don't be afraid of that because God's about ready to do something marvelous in you. That's God saying you're ready for where we're about to go. So you need to pray that God begins to send a quake in your spirit. Earthquakes are unpredictable, and they're life-changing. Everything you thought was stable is now shifting and changing, and everything you thought was going to be this way is now going that way. Anybody there? This is church is not going the way I thought it would go. Everything's changing in the church. You can't explain it, but God is moving you out of your comfort zone, and you are in the middle of a shift. Don't 
worry about this. This is a great thing. So two earthquakes are coming, and some have already started. And first shift, the first quake is for the mature Christians, and the second quake is going to be for individuals, starting with the kids, the teens, and the singles. And when the kids, the teens, and the singles start this, get in the middle of God's earthquake, it's going to send tremors through the rest of society. I'm excited because there's two levels here. There's a level of mature Christian earthquakes, and then there's the one where God says, I'm going to take individuals, starting with the kids, the teens, and the singles, and I'm going to just rock their world to the point that the rest of society are going to have to recognize that I am God Almighty and there's nothing greater than me. He's going to start it, he's going to finish it, and it's all going to be part of that kids, the teens, and the singles earthquake that's going to happen. Now, the first quake for the mature Christians is going to be the hardest. Because those of us that have been serving God for 30 plus years, um, he's about to rock our world. He rocked mine two months ago when he began to lay this message on my heart. And my eyes have been wide open. I don't know if you could tell, but I believe in what I'm speaking. I believe this word. I believe this is for me. But I believe it's also for us mature Christians. Now, I was raised in a Pentecostal home all my life. Pentecostal church. There every time the doors were open and probably one of the last to leave. I remember altar services. I remember hairpins flying everywhere whenever the women would start dancing. Shoes come flying off whenever they were dancing. I remember all of that. I remember the charismatic movement of the 90s. I remember services used to last four to five hours. And there was running, there was dancing, there was flag waving, there was gold of May. It just blew up in the place. Yes, you remember? It was like, I wish these churches would be different. They all look the same. Golden May everywhere. Just made somebody mad. I'm sorry. I'm just writing what God told me. He said he didn't like the Golden May. I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to get real serious now. Those were great times. Those charismatic movements, man. This move of God, the spirit falling on people, falling out, dancing. That was great times. Those 90 movements, they were my time, and they were my glory days. And God knew that I needed those experiences. But our text says, think not on the things of old, and consider not the past. Behold, I'm about to do a new thing. So God began to share with me this scripture, and pretty much rip my heart out, put it back in after changing it, so that I can speak to you the way that I'm speaking to you. Those past experiences, for me, were real and life-changing, and you can never discount them. You can never belittle me. I'm glad I was there and had a part of that. I'm glad I yielded to God and let him do what he wanted to do in my life. But God is moving and shifting the church today, so it's going to be relevant in this generation, giving them their own glory days. Hear me out. It's not about me anymore when I come to church. Let that sink in. It's not about me anymore. I don't want to come and get the heebie-jeebies and little goosebumps on goosebumps. That's not me anymore. I've got a higher calling to come to church because I'm the mature. I've served God. I've been in the midst. I know what's real and I know what's fake. I've seen people. I've, I've healed people. I've prayed with people and seen them born again. I know what it's about and I love those days and I love those feelings, but it's not about me anymore. I can't stay locked into a familiar, comfortable past experience thinking that the best times have come and gone. 
We need to accept that the shift that is happening today and open our hearts to the new moves of God. This message rocked my world, and I've had to shift my mind from thinking that church ought to be the way I want it to be to trusting that God has everything under control. And contrary to popular belief, the church is not dying, weak, or compromising. People say, but he's not what he used to be. That's the perception of a duck-minded people. I'm just being real with you. That's just what the Bible says, means whenever it says they have eyes, but they can't see. You see that rabbit, you see the duck, but do you have eyes to also see the rabbit? You have eyes and you see not. You have ears, but you hear not. But God wants us to shift our perspective so that we see a better way emerging. The church of the living God is not going away. You want to know how I know that? For thousands of years, it's been persecuted by the enemy, and they have tried to shut us down. We've been ridiculed, punished, burned down, and even killed. We've been told that we're irrelevant, has-beens, and washed up. But the church is still alive and well and can't be stopped. We roll with the punches, people. We change with the times. We keep impacting society in the face of adversity. We only get stronger when they make fun of us. Why are we worried that the church is not what it used to be? Thank God it's not. I'm ready for something new and fresh. I'm ready. I don't want stale bread anymore. Give me a fresh loaf hot out of the oven, God. I want to feed on what you're up to and what is new and fresh. So the church services may not look or sound like we think they should. But I want you to know this. God is up to something great, and he is about to rock our world. This shifting is for the younger generations, the kids, the teens, and the singles. Our services are not for mature Christians only. God revived me through the former movements of the 80s and 90s because he was filling me up so that I'd be ready to be poured out today. You hear me? You hear my heart? I didn't want to just have those chills and those thrills back then just to say, oh, wasn't that great? I want to take what God imparted in me and invest it into this younger generation. Can I get an amen? I believe in this younger generation. I can have my Holy Ghost moments and my private times with God every day, but my purpose in every service from now on is to invest what I know into the next generation. So I'll accept their worship songs. I'll accept their preaching styles. If I mentor them right and not judge them, then they will spread God's message effectively even though it doesn't look like my methods. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to build them up. I'm going to guard their souls. I'm going to watch their footing. I'm going to celebrate their accomplishments and rejoice in their victories. I am spiritually strong. And the Bible says those that are spiritually strong shall lift up those that are weak and feeble need so that whenever they are weak, they have somebody that will run to their aid and say, come on, we're going to do this together. We need the older generations to mentor the younger generations. And young people, I just want to honestly tell you from the bottom of my heart, we apologize for maybe letting you slip through the cracks and not focusing more on the ministries and more on what your needs are and almost almost turning you away because you didn't look or sound the way we thought you needed to look or sound. I want you to know that this church has your back, that you are loved here, you are safe here, and you belong here. Can you say amen? I've got to move on. The second quake is going to be for individuals, starting with the younger generation. 
and then what follows in that younger generation is going to create tremors and aftershocks that's going to change society. Now, it takes most of your life to figure out who you are. You've got to sift through all the rubble and junk that you've been through before you figure out who you really are. And some of us, like me, we could be an old man before we really realize, God, that's what you meant for my life to turn out like. I want these young people to find out very young and early that they have a God that says you can do anything. Nothing is impossible. Ask in my name and it shall be done. And the things that the world says can't happen, they're going to happen before their very eyes because they declare it. We look at the life quickly of Abram and Sarai in the Old Testament in Genesis. They're a very old couple. They were settled. They were stable, yet childless. But they had accepted this as the norm. That's the way it's always going to be. Now the name Abram means exalted father. And that's a contradiction because Abram couldn't have kids. So basically, all of his life, when people called him Abram, meaning exalted father, it was almost a form of ridicule and joking because he could not live up to his name or his potential. But then God comes along one day to Abram and he begins to declare and show him an ocean thought by saying, you are not Abram, you are Abraham. Abraham means father of many nations. Once again, it's a contradiction at that moment, but God has declared, saying, there's more in you than what you know. God was pulling out of him what was hidden inside of him that he hadn't met yet. I'm here to tell you, some of you, God is about to introduce you to the real man and woman of God that he planted in you before your mama even had you. He knew your future. He had it all written out. You've had a lot of junk happen to you. Your life looks like a wreck. Your life has been damaged beyond repair. But I'm here to tell you that God is ready to step in in this morning service and rock your world and say those things that attach themselves to you no longer define you. Abram was defined by his former name. Now God was giving him a new name. And God was pulling out of him what, was, what he has yet to meet. Basically, God was saying, Abraham, that ain't you. This is you. Right then and there, Abraham's life went from a duck life to a rabbit life. He had no idea there was a rabbit in him, but God says, you're not that, you're this. I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what names they've called you. It doesn't matter what labels they put on you. It doesn't matter what they've spoken over your life. God says, that's all about to fall away because I'm putting a new name on you. I'm calling you what I know you are. You're a champion. You're a winner. You're a life giver. You're an influencer. You're going to change worlds. You're going to climb mountains. You're going to save lives. That's the word God is declaring on you. So like Abram, some of us have settled that this is as good as life gets. You have been weak and scared and intimidated all of your life. But God is about to rock your world this morning. And all of that negative stuff that was spoken over you and all that was done to you and all that has attached itself to you is about to fall off in the quake he is sending. And I'm ready for that to happen. And the real and powerful you will finally rise out of the rubble with a mighty praise. And the world will not deny that you've been encountered by God. 
Now when you go through this shift, it's important that you hang around people who accept the shift in your life and can shift with you. Thank God Abraham married a woman that can shift with him. Because when God shifted Abraham, Sarai said, Abraham, if God is shifting and moving you, then I'm going right where you're going. And immediately God changed her name to Sarah. I'm telling you, hang around people that can go to the next level with you. Otherwise, they're going to keep you down. You need to be careful who you connect with while you're going through the shift. And I'm telling the teens and I'll tell the adults, you need to take friend and Tory. That means you need to take a look at who is speaking into your life. And you need to ask yourself two questions. Are they holding me back or are they pushing me forward? If there's a yes or no to either one, you need to keep them or let them loose. But you've got to be careful who is with you in your shift. Don't date people. Don't marry people who don't want what you want and go where you want to go. Don't think you're going to change them. Man, why? If you only knew how many women try to change me. I just laughed at them. <laughs> I need to do that, I'm telling you, you need to be careful who you're picking as a life mate. You need to be careful who you're surrounding yourself by. I tell people that come in for counseling, especially those just getting saved and coming out of a, a crazy life and friends from the past are still trying to dabble in their life and whisper in their ears. I say, you need to surround yourself with some great people of God that's going to push you forward and speak to you in Scripture and pray over you with the power of God. You, that's who you need to surround yourself with because when you're going through a shift, the devil's going to try to shake you up too. And it, he'll send people in your life that will shake you up. But be careful who, you, who you're listening to. That's why life teams are so important. You need to link up with people that are like-minded, who will encourage you, and, they will help, and you'll help each other get through the shifts. Y'all need to be out there. I mean, that, that connection desk needs to be swallowed up with people lined up, filling up those things, saying, I've got to be a part of a life team because I am, I'm going through a shift, and I need people around me who are going through it too, and we're going to be strong together. I need people that have been through the shifts, who have overcome the earthquakes, who have lived to tell about it, to speak into my life. That's what those life teams are all about. You need to be swamping that connect desk after this and getting ready for next week for them to kick off. Shameless plug, but I'm going to do it. Shifting people need people who will rock when they rock and roll when they roll. All right, I'm going to close with this. <clears throat> In 2011, Japan had a catastrophic earthquake. It was so catastrophic that it moved the coastline eight feet, and it changed the Earth's axis by four degrees. That's major. Not long ago... An earthquake happened outside of New Zealand, which is near Australia, for those of you who don't know your geography. <clears throat> um, an earthquake happened outside of New Zealand. Tsunamis, waves, everything. But it was the tremor after the earthquake that moved the large landmass of New Zealand two feet closer to Australia. Now, when I saw this, my spirit jumped because I heard God's voice say that those things you thought that would never move are about to move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm like, God, that's all I have to say. That is it. When God sends a spiritual earthquake, broken homes and relationships are going to come back together. That's the oddity of God's earthquakes is it doesn't rip things apart. It makes things even closer and tighter than ever. That's the beauty of it. The worst sinner is going to come through those doors giving their hearts to God. Sicknesses are going to fall away. Depression and suicidal thoughts will let go because there's no room for it when God begins to shake. And the earthquake in your life is going to lead to tremors in everyone else's life around you. And I I just recall our scripture that says Acts 16 and 26. Then suddenly the prison was violently shaken with an earthquake. And not only were the the disciples changed, loosed, But everyone around them, their chains were loose too. When God begins to quake in your life, it's going to reverberate and have an effect around people around you. They won't even know what's coming. But you can say, this is all God. And let me tell you where we go from here. And you just begin to explain to them, this is what God can do for you. This is what Jesus can do for you. This is what the Holy Spirit can do for you. I can't even get into the tremors of the upper room. Because Jesus, if you read closely at the cross, there was an earthquake. Hmm? The upper room was the tremor, a side effect of the cross. And there were multiple tremors throughout the book of Acts and throughout history leading to me. And it's been those tremors all along that have said, I'm shaking it up. I'm changing it up. Things have to change for me to go to the next level. For things to come to be, be, I've got to go. And change the stuff up. So in order to progress, we've got to forsake. We've got to stop being trapped in our past experiences saying, wow, those were good days. That's as good as it's ever going to get. You ain't got an idea what God is up to. You don't even have a clue what God's about to do when he begins to shake. Whether you want him to or not, he's going to shake. An earthquake's coming. Whether you're ready or not, an earthquake is coming. I'm just here to forewarn you, just like the prophet Amos. I'm here to forewarn you. God's about to send spiritual earthquakes into the church, into his people, into his body, because he says, I'm ready to go places, and I'm ready for my people to go with me. If you're with me, raise your hand and step to your feet and say, God, I'm going everywhere you go. God, when you rock, I rock. Whenever you roll, I roll, God. I'm not going to miss out on this. This stuff's too good. You've been too good to me in the past. You've been so faithful to me in the past. I'm not going to turn and leave just because it upsets my belief right now. But God, I'm opening my mind. I'm changing my perspective. I'm seeing a rabbit where I only saw a duck. I'm ready to see the glory of God fall in a new and fresh way, God, however you choose. I'm not going to try to make the formula happen. I'm not going to try to tell you how to run our church services, God. I want you to be who you are and move in every generation. Lord, give this church relevance. Let us be relevant from the pulpit to every age. Let us be real. Let us be the miracle workers you've called us to be. Let us lay hands on the sick and they are made whole. Let us speak to the sinner and they come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. Let us pray for the baptism of the Spirit and people all over. It's just like a shockwave. It affects them and they begin to speak in that unknown tongue. God, we are the church and we're not going anywhere. We are unstoppable and we're ready to do great things for you. But God, I accept your shifting. I want that earthquake to knock all the junk off of my life. It doesn't need to be around me anymore. Knock the people out that don't need to be with me. Take my thoughts that are no longer necessary. Take them away. 
Open my eyes so that I can begin to live in today's glory days and not yesterday's glory days. Help us to accept that you're doing a new thing in a new way. And it's not our place to question you, God. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Some of you are hearing the gospel for the very first time today. Thank God he ordained you to be here. It is not an accident. God wanted you to be here because he says, I want to change your perspective of life. You think all the stuff that's been spoken over you and all the junk that's attached itself to you is just part of who you're going to be forever and ever and that you're never going to have a, a chance to change. I'm here to tell you this is your moment. Jesus is in this house to say, all of those labels and names, all that junk, I'm going to shake your world up right now and I'm going to knock all of that off and you're going to rise up and be the great man and woman of God that I knew was in you all along. God believes in you. Jesus loves you so much you went to a cross. Now he's saying, child, just change your perspective and see me and everything that's going on in your life and I'm going to show you a whole new, brighter path for life. If that is you and you say, oh God, I don't want to live like I've been living. I didn't realize I needed to change, but I realize now I need a change. I need a shifting in my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you are? No one's going to come and embarrass you. Yeah, that's fine. Praise God. Praise God. Now for us that have been in church a while, maybe we've grown a little cold. We've even been some that have talked about it saying, church ain't what it used to be. I wish they'd do it this way. I wish they'd do it that way. Wish they'd sing that. Wish they'd sing this. I wish he'd preach about that. Preach about this. You know what? We've got to relinquish control and let God do what he does best, and that is change lives. I'm just the messenger. I'm just the one who he's invested in so that I can turn and invest in you. And that's what I want to do today. I want to say, God has opened my eyes. I was once, like most of you, Settled, don't rock my boat, don't rock my world, God. God says, I've got to, because I want to show you a new and greater way. And I thank God that I was sensitive enough to say, okay, God, yes, I'll accept it. If that is you, I want you just to say in your own heart, God, you have me right where you want me. And I'll, I'll rock and roll wherever you go, because my heart is your heart. Your way is my way. It's no longer me. This is not about me. It's all about you, Lord. Our prayer partners are going to come forward here. And those of you who need prayer, maybe you want to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you just want someone to connect in prayer. Someone who's been through the shifts and can help pray you through your shift. This is the people to link up with right down here. Prayer partners, if you'll come, they're going to take their time just to pray over you and to help you and find some answers for you. Many of you have big life questions. You're going to find some answers down here, but you've got to take the first step. You've got to be like Peter. All right, I'm stepping out of the boat. That one step changed everything. You need to get ready to make that one step. God will do the rest of it for you right after that. If you would, let's sing, Steve. If you need prayer, this is the time. Don't you hold back. God's moving and stirring up here. He's ready to speak to your heart. Standing on his promises. We're gonna 
say a blessing to those of you who are here. Maybe you're still debating in your spirit whether you should come forward or not. I'm going to dismiss the service, but I'm not dismissing the presence of God. They're here. God is here to continue to pray. But if you'd lift your hands up, let me bless you. Lord, I bless you in everything that they do. When they're coming in and going out, whether they're going to the restaurants and whether they're going to school or whether they're going home or they're going through the neighborhoods, I pray that they are supernaturally blessed that, Lord, you overwhelm them with spiritual gifts and spiritual blessings and words of wisdom so that they have answers for all the questions that come their way. Lord, bless them as they go through their ships and accept the earthquake that you're sending into their life. Bless them all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.